Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 78 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Andrew McGahan joined, as always, by Limerick's prodigal son, Mr. Sean Sheehan, ladies and gentlemen. Sean I Curry. never left. What are you talking about? I never left Limerick. Well, I did actually. I went to Cork for four years, but I never left. Oh, yeah, because prodigal means someone that's left, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it comes back, yeah. Okay, fi- we'll go back to favourite son. Favourite son, okay. okay oh, well, I kind of, I'll, I'll take prodigal son, it's okay. Because, yeah, when you leave for, for Dublin... You know, you're I, considered I, a traitor of the village. I never you? left. I never left for Dublin. No. But you've travelled to Dublin. Ah, well, that's only for one day. That's okay. And I did that under duress as well. <laughs> under under uh, under massive protest. Yeah. It's, it's, why, why would anyone go to Dublin like under own card? On their own, like, I don't know. <laughs> tell me this though. I need to. Uh, I I need to tell you about the greatest invention that uh, I've discovered in the last week. Unfortunately. It's lashing rain here at the moment and completely overcast. But we let us not forget the torment we suffered of episode 77's heat. Yeah. Okay? It was, it was disgusting. It was the worst ever. So my sister Ruth pulled this out of her bag the other day. It's a spray. It's a can of aerosol made by Evian. And it's effectively just water. It's cooling water to oh, spray yourself with. I like that. <laughs> Sean Khaled. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, so I'm a big fan of this And I'm going to keep one in stock now Just for emergencies in case we have another hot podcast Because I found out my room is actually more susceptible to the heat Because it was once an attic And there's a load, loads of insulation all around the room Oh, that'd be, that's right Did you see the thing I have? Patrick got it from like China or somewhere It's a fan that blows water, water like yes. It sprays water and it spray, Oh, it's the most beautiful thing ever like I, I put uh, what I did last day. He, he actually gave me the good advice. You know, you open the bottom and you put water in. I put ice in with the water and I sprayed it just all over my head and face. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Well, like you need one of them for that one week every three years that we get heat. If we're going to talk about the most beautiful thing ever, I did. Like people do don't know this, Sean, but we do not plan what we're going to talk about at the start of every episode. We no. just chat. Yeah. However. Last night, we broke the script. I texted Sean. I said, Sean, we are talking about this at the start of the show. Oh, uh, yeah. This is one of those times when you text me and go, oh, no. He's go actually on, not going to do this. Go yeah, I have a time. I genuinely thought you were joking. No, 100%. Go on. So, go on. on Netflix yesterday, right? During an intense Netflix and chill session, How are I we was watching... Mathematician? That's what I want to know. What? How are we going to get this oh, into oh, Don't worry. I already have this sorted. So, I was watching a documentary about Elmo, okay? Not sure if you know this, Sean. I am a bit of a Muppets fan. Muppets Christmas Carol, uh, Treasure Island, fantastic things. I have a plush doll of of Beaker from the Muppets. He's uh, he's around the room here. I will bring him on the camera to you later on. So, documentary on the guy who does Elmo's voice. Yeah. I think it's called Being Elmo. I'm Elmo. It, um, yeah, being Elmo, a puppeteer's journey. And it follows this guy, I uh, can't even remember his name, Kevin, Kevin Clash. And it shows his whole journey from how he wanted to be a puppeteer when he was a teenager, used to make his own puppets, how he wanted to one day like 
he wanted to be friends with Jim Henson basically and then he ended up working with Jim Henson Jim's the guy who made the Muppets and he now in a position however many years later is also opening the door for younger people that are interested in puppeteering the same way that he had been and it was absolutely it was a brilliant documentary it showed the whole story about how Elmo got popular the guy who was previously Elmo, Elmo quit and threw it threw it at him and being like here see what you can do with that and then he took it Sean he took it with both fucking hands and he turned Elmo into a global superstar nice I ha- like I don't know how it was that good but it was a fantastic documentary surely we will get a comment from someone who said they have watched this and also thought it was brilliant. Might have a look at it myself. That reminds me of this week. Did you see that? Someone, I think his name was Elliot Campbell, tweeted me saying he I inspired him to take up writing and now he's writing for fansided. I did see that. Yeah, that was that was nice to hear. Fair I play, didn't Elliot. think that ever happened, like, but that was unbelievable. I was I was happy to say that to hear that. So fair play. Would you um is it fair enough to say that anyone that has watched an Andrew McGann interview or read a Peter Carter Peter Carroll article? just were inspired to start covering MMA in Ireland because of us. Yeah, they probably were. They probably saw it and said, fuck it, if these pricks can do it, I can <laughs> yeah. definitely do it. If this guy can interview people, then I'm definitely going to be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Anyway, so in order to get to our ORS segment, you've kind of thrown me off a little bit. Basically, the job of a puppeteer, Sean. Yeah. You've got your hands up inside <laughs> people for a long time. Yeah. And you're doing take after take after take. Right? So there are, all of these boys are lying on the ground or like sitting hunched over and they're definitely sore. You they're very definitely stiff, aching. Very right? stiff you get. Yeah. And imagine putting your hands up in the arm or putting your hands up in the air for so long. Mm-hmm. They're going to get tired out. Definitely would. Do you know? So I thought, what a perfect way. Forget if you're an athlete. If you're a puppeteer oh, listening dear. to the Severe MMA podcast. <laughs> and the, or, we know you are. <laughs> oh, and we know you are. Head on over to orosnutrition.com for all your puppeteering needs. Aside from that, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a sport or gym user, well, then you're set as well, lads, because over at orosnutrition.com, proud sponsors and friends of the Severe MA podcast, you can get supplements for your every, every need. If it's a pre-workout, if it's a post-workout, if you need whey proteins, both plant-based and whey-based, if you need recovery drinks, if you need vitamins, if you need supplements, tablets, shakers, and accessories, head on over to orosnutrition.com. Sean, we have both received excellent care packages from them. I currently am uh, drinking, well, my BCA is worse summer fruits flavors, but now I'm drinking Robinson's summer fruits out of my ROS nutrition cup. What are you on? I'm on my Omni Giant Tang, and I'm on my uh, vitamin D. Those are two I'm taking with, or not the vitamin D. Well, they are the vitamin D, the multivitamin and Omni Giant. Those are two I'm taking at the moment. So they're the job. They're great. You make you feel better. Wake up in the morning. You know, you feel alive. That's it. And if you're browsing their website, it's all searched by uh, section by category as well. If you're a GA player, or a football player, or a rugby player, or a martial it's artist. A it's a GA. 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 Yeah, how dare you? Did, uh, their recommended products are all divided by your um, by your sport and what they feel you would need most. If you're just going to the gym to put on a bit of size or to lean out, then they have different products, uh, supplements that you can take that will um, help you achieve your goals. Head on over to orsnutrition.com, put them all in the basket. They will recommend a few extra items as well. If you've uh, spent a certain amount, you're entitled to free gifts. It gets better, Sean. Mm. Put in the discount code SEVEREMMA, all in capitals, and you will get 25% off your first order. What? A, a quarter, Sean. What? Not an eighth, not a twelfth, 
Not another random measurement. 25%. Mm. Brilliant. Better. Brilliant. Check them all Brilliant. out on Facebook, Twitter, <coughs> Instagram, all of their social media channels. Sean, what were you going to ask? I was going to say there, if you bet my bets of the week for like the last few weeks and you get the 25% off at rosnutrition.com, you're basically getting free supplements. Yeah, effectively. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. We'll SevereMed.com. We'll literally making you money. Later on. Well, Don't you worry yeah, about that. Probably, you've got a, you've yeah, got a good boost. It didn't boast. go so good this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, I well, think yeah, your, your head ruled good. your heart there a little bit. Or your heart ruled your head. <sighs> I didn't, but it nearly happened. Like You convinced but, yourself. You just had it in the head after this week, after last week's podcast. Yeah. No, I was like, yeah, okay, I did. Fair enough. It is something that um, we are going to get to a little bit later on in the show. But just to finish off, as always, head on over to orsnutrition.com. Good friends of the show, sponsor the Mighty Dundalk FC, who are playing in the Champions League again tonight, Sean. I know, you going to? Uh, no, it's in Bata, Boris. It's in Bata, B-A-T-E. Yeah, so what? <laughs> wherever go that to is. Bar- go to Borisov there. and Barisov, uh, wherever whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Eastern Bata, Europe Bata. somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. Estonia, I think. Could be totally I think it's Lithuania. Lithuania. Possibly. Possibly. Hmm. Anyway, head on over to rosnutrition.com, get 25% off your first order with the promo code SEVEREMMA, S-E-V-E-R-E-M-M-A. So I suppose as a nice segue out of rosnutrition.com for the athlete that wants to get a natural progression in their life, Sean, there are many out there who do not, who want to take steroids, who want to take performance-enhancing drugs, and we said we got a lot of questions about this since last week, a little bit of news has happened too, what do you think, we start there? We will. Just before we start, I, I have a bit of Randy going, but just before we start, um, oh. Battleground was on last night and Randy Orton was on, um, was on Chris, you know, that program thing Chris Jericho has. And uh, he, he got a promo on, on Brock Lesnar. He said he was going to beat him enhancement free. <laughs> it was hilarious, Randy Orton. Hasn't Randy Orton failed <laughs> he has, competitions yeah. before? Multiple yeah. times, I think. Well, but yeah, sure, we, we won't say anything about that. But yeah, let's get down to this whole drugs again. I think there's been a lot of debate about it. A lot of words said over the last uh, last week about it. So I, I said, we, we discussed it during the week, and we said we'd have a, a discussion about it on the podcast. So here's where I stand, right? This whole PD debate is a little bit like the God debate to me, right? I think... If you are 100% sure that God exists and you know it, you're a little bit foolhardy. And if you're 100% sure that it doesn't exist, I think you're a little bit foolhardy. I think the best in, lies in the middle, that we don't really know, right? You, you have to be a little bit in the middle. And I think this is <clears throat> this is another problem, like the gun debate as well in America. Like, you have to pick a side. You know, you, you're either, you know, PDs are terrible, they're going to kill someone, or... We should allow PEDs. They're not killing anyone. You're stupid. Why are you saying they're killing someone? That's not happening, right? So I think the best way to look at this is in the middle, right? First things first, PEDs aren't killing anyone. Nobody's ever been killed by someone on PEDs in MMA that we know of anyway. There have been deaths, but there have been in a smaller level. And we've seen loads um, of... PD use in Pride and in the obviously in the UFC until this new testing has come in and there have been no deaths, right? Fair enough. But that doesn't mean that people on PEDs aren't causing harm. Because they are. 
right? If, and it's not a harm that, okay, sometimes it can be you get kicked in the face once by Vitor Belfort and your eyes fucked for the rest of your life. But it's, sometimes it can be if you fight two or three, maybe four guys in PDs and they, you know, there's incremental damage happening there. You know, like, look at Mark Hunt against Bigfoot Silva. He went five rounds with Bigfoot Silva. I was on TRT. Bigfoot Silva goes off the TRT and he knocks him out in one round. Now, okay, that's, that's a big example of it. But there's, think of that in a smaller way. If you're fighting a guy, you know, if you can keep going that little bit longer, if you can hit that little bit harder, you're taking that, you know, you're taking that little bit more damage. And okay, you look at it from the point of view of that. Okay, you take a little bit more damage, but you're not signing up for that. Just the problem is people are saying he's going to get killed. He's going to get killed by the person of PDs, and then it makes the other side go, "Well, he's not going to get killed by him. He's not. Why, oh, is is the damage even making that much of a difference?" And even, you know, we know it's not making that much of a difference, but it can. You know what I mean? And we shouldn't bow down, in my opinion, to people who are cheating, who are taking these things to enhance themselves, just because it's not happening every time. Or it's, you know, it's not, it's not a fucking, it's not a problem that if you do it once, you're definitely going to harm someone. I, I think you need to, you know, you need to cut this out. You need to eradicate PD use as much as you can and there's a the, the point as well that it's not you're not, you're definitely not going to cut it out all the way you're not I said eradicate there there's a bad word you're not going to eradicate it but you can cut it out a lot you these this is working like this you saw the program I think is working brilliantly people are saying oh it's not working because John Jones is getting caught because Brock Lesnar is getting caught because Chad Bender is getting caught no no that means it is working it is just people getting caught this is the deterrent you need you know, I saw Jeremy Botter tweeting last night yeah, after, or not last night, maybe a couple of days ago about Chad Mendes getting caught. And he's like, fighters, you're going to get caught. You can't get around these tests. Uh, you know, I I couldn't agree more. Like, these things are happening. I think people are looking at this as well. Like, I'm not going to name any names now, but there's a fighter that basically ruined another fighter's career, I think, because he fought him when he was on PEDs. And, you know, he clearly got off the PD soon after that, and he's not half the fighter he was. Like those things are happening, you can know. You tax me who you're on about. <laughs> I think you can maybe guess, um, but like, uh, I'm just uh, look. I think, as I said at the start, look, you need to get a little bit in the middle. I think. So I think, I think where we are at the moment is good, but I think you need to change a little bit. I think you need to change change the rules. So you need to, if you're banning someone for getting on PEDs, right? You have to be sure. You have to be 100% sure they're taking PEDs. So I think you need need to rise the levels of what they're taking. You can't just find something. So if you find like a little bit of, you know, um, uh, I don't know, synthetic, synthetic testosterone or something like that, so a tiny little bit that could be something that's in a supplement or something, you can't fail someone for that. Even if it is, even if it is synthetic, synthetic, if it's not uh, something that's grown in your body uh, naturally, you can't ban them for that. You need to catch them red. That's what I think. Before you can, you can, um, uh, you before you ban someone. I think that's the first step you do. Then I think after that, I think you need to take stuff off the banned list. I think you need, you know, stuff like caffeine, things like that. There's some ridiculous stuff that's on it. Um, and you, I think you, then you need to legalize things. In MMA especially, that aid recovery, that, you know, 
I, I think things like obviously TRT should be banned when you're taking it uh, at a, obviously a high level. Things that help grow like HGH, muscle growth and things like that should be banned. But I think I think things that obviously that help you recover, you know, pain that help you kill pain or whatever, things that are not going to affect your body long term. That's another huge part of a uh, problem with PDs that people are not looking at. Like, uh, look at the testosterone things. Look at how it affected uh, Vitor Belfort and guys like that. Chill Sonnen spoke about it. Your system just crashes when you get off a lot of these things. And that's another health risk. It's not just a health risk to the person you're fighting against. Small it's balls. health risk. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of big problems there. Okay, I've ranted long enough. Your goal. I think we've spoke about this similarly enough in the podcast. I do think that some sort of recovery, like something that guys were actually able to take to know that they could train X amount of times a week so we see the best type of fighter coming into the cage is exactly what I want. Do you know, if you could somehow create a drug that just made the fighter feel perfect afterwards that he isn't going to fail a drug test on and just make sure everyone's on it. I'm thinking like mad long-term solutions here, Sean. Why couldn't... In theory, if it's going to be so much of a cost to test all of these people, you're talking about test, like it needs to be maybe testing them more. Was that what you said? Well, no, I think, no, I think not, not that they're testing them more, but to catch yeah. them right handed, you're going to need to have the facility and the resources to be able to test them multiple, multiple times a month. Do you know? Because Brock Lesnar passed how many tests? Seven tests and failed yeah. one. But the fact that he failed one showed that there's something up here. That he's taken something that's out of his system or allegedly he's taken something that's out of his system a lot quicker and it's allowing him to pass certain tests or allowing fighters in general to pass certain tests. Mm -hmm. And that's something that doesn't sit right with me. It's that they can continue. Like, even then, Chad Mendes being out for two years isn't long enough because he was caught red-handed. Red so this is the sort of situation where they should be throwing the book at him and saying that's five years and the next person that gets caught it's five years as well but even then we're being completely unfair and completely harsh on mixed martial arts if you compare it to other sports Arthur Jones John Jones's brother failed a drug test the other day and he's getting a four game suspension from the NFL yeah how I, I think that's wrong I you know I, I honestly do that is do. a slap on the, that's a holiday yeah. You have to remember, there, like, way to the Caribbean. It's weird. Like, I think uh, I, I, I hate to just blame Americans, but I think it's a very American thing. I think you know, it's very kind of a, a franchise yeah. money making thing. I, I like. I, I still want to look at sport as sport. And what does the word sport mean? You know, it means fairness. You know, you need to look. People say you need to be a good sport. Like that's what it means. You need. Uh, I still want sport to be sport. You know, if if you're letting people take PDs like that and you're giving them small bands, you know, maybe, I don't know, give them four months, you know, to take one fight off him. What's that doing? Like, that that's doing, that's just like, oh, yeah, we'll have to, you know, we have to give him something. We have to do something to him. I don't think that's good enough. I don't, look, I don't think, I don't think five-year bands, I don't think bands that long. I think the way to have them now is fine. I think... Look, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. You should get a second chance. But it, maybe you know, if you do it twice, I wouldn't. I I'd be fine with a lifetime ban or a five year ban or whatever. But <clears throat> you know, this is this is this issue. You know, it's it's huge. It's one of the biggest issues in combat sports, and obviously, you know, it's hurting the business, which we must take into account. But I think the way it's hurting it, 
is a you know it's bad in the short term but in the long term i think it's it's a good thing you know we have you know as mma okay you can oh we're gonna you know it's it's hurting people you know it's someone's gonna die you can get to that stage of result or you can get to the oh those people are stupid for saying they're gonna kill people but as i said get to the middle get look at it you know right in the middle someone you know there's going to be incremental damage to, to people over years and years there's going to be little things that are big for the person like michael bisping's eye or you know other people who've who've been hurt and you know they can't come back because they've they've been fighting people you know who are who are or aren't on peds like look at brian stan talking to the mmar a couple of weeks ago saying how he knew when people were on cycles how you can feel it hitting a little bit harder that little bit harder what if you do that you know a full-on fight two or three or four times in your career. Like, those little things can quickly become big things, and we see it. Like, we see it with guys who take damage, and look how quickly their career goes after they've taken damage, even against clean guys. You know, we, you know you're the best in the world one minute. What, what's the thing on, on Pierce Morgan saying? You're a cock of the walk one minute, and you're a feather dust to the next. Fuck like, Pierce Morgan, know, Sean. Sorry. That, that's madness. But there's just one more point here on, on, a, P, on a PED related thing. People are complaining about the test taking time to come back. Okay, we want it faster. Everyone wants it faster. You should be as quick as possible. But you can't you can't just magic it up either. You know, these tests can't come back instantly. Like they have to travel from wherever they were taken. You know, they have to go through the whole process. Maybe it's over a weekend, like did he you know it's a working day thing as well. It could be as well. You know, there's other tests coming in. They have to be done secretly so you don't know who's getting tested. You know, you can't you can't put fucking George Sullivan's tests over Brock Lesnar's test. You can't put Brock Lesnar's test over, you know, Amanda Nunes' test or over, you know, some dunk fighting on the Tissy Lafresse from Lou Thomas fighting on the on the undercard. Like you can't you can't do that. That's not the way it's done. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's there's obviously that's a problem. But I don't think it's a huge problem. I think people are making a, a huge big deal out of it. I think that's something that just naturally happens. And, you know, you need that that's just a way of life. Like, these things take time to happen. Making a mountain out of a molehill is the phrase you're looking for, Sean. Yeah, exactly. So do you think we're going to, just to wrap up a little, like, I'll throw a few things at you. Do you think we're ever going to get to the stage that Uriah Faber wants? Did you see that article yesterday? No, what was that? Uriah Faber wonders if PDs will eventually lead to an attempted murder charge. I think that's one of those scaremongering things as well. Well, I, 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 as, it the, could, as like, the article said, yeah. something like what happened Cyborg Santos last week. Mm-hmm. Let's say Michael Venom Page fights the, does the same thing to someone and fails a drug test later on in his career. Or fails a drug test for that fight. Or somebody else like that, yeah. Not or somebody, yeah. Or the exact same thing happens and the guy who's done it pisses hot. Yeah. To me, that's when we start thinking like, ah. Like, as bad as it is, Sean, it's going to take one thing to happen in order for something to change. And we've witnessed that firsthand in terms of Irish MMA this year. Yeah. So... What's like this is are we waiting for the same thing to happen? Are we waiting for an incident to happen before people say, Okay, yeah, let's change this? Or is it not fair to to deduct that somebody could get badly hurt fighting someone off their tits on PEDs? I don't think you can really connect the two to, to Because look at you look at Pride, the evidence isn't there, right? Like the people who who talk about 
you know, the evidence not being there. They're correct. Like, the evidence is not there to say that serious injuries are caused by PEDs. Like, it's foolish to say they are. But it's foolish to say there's, you know, there's no cause by me. Or like, if someone, God forbid, if someone gets killed in UFC and if someone pops for PEDs afterwards, I don't think the reason they die will be the PEDs, to be honest. I think it'll be where they were hit. It's a freak, you know, it's a freak hit. They're hit. It'll be, so, you know, someone made a mistake somewhere along the line. I don't think people are getting, you know, are going to get, you know, so I don't think it's going to be the reason, okay? It might, you know... It might aid it, but I don't think it will. You know, I, 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 hopefully it never happens. But I like I can't, I can't sit here and say in good conscience, oh yeah, because that just ruins the argument. Then, like it ruins the argument that PDs should be banned because they give you an advantage. They give you that little bit of an advantage, even you know if it's a big advantage. And in MMA, that little bit of advantage can. You know, it can ruin careers or it can, you know, it can set you back. It can hurt three or four different people. You know, it's not, uh, it's not a way that, you know, PD is going to kill someone in the octagon. I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, we like, look at those guys in back and right, juice of the fucking gills. Now we're seeing a lot of those guys maybe having to, uh, having to take a few estrogen blockers to, to, uh, to get back up to speed. Or maybe a few of them are, you know, maybe a few of them are slurring their words and stuff after taking a few beatings and stuff like that. That's going to happen, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this problem, I'd look, it, we, we have two options really here. Look, we can have a modicum of testing, a small little bit of testing, and we can let basically guys get a free roll, a free or a free reign at, at PDs like they had before and just do testing for sure or we can do real testing like this those are the two options I think with the with the little changes I mentioned earlier and I think in, in good conscience I think you, you can only pick one option there I think you can only pick the option of, of, of big testing of people getting caught if they're taking something and getting punished if they do it you know we can't you People are cheating, you know. If if you just think about it on the very prime level, right? There's someone sitting there in their gym saying, I'm going to stick a needle in my ass or I'm going to take this pill, this drug to make me better. You know, I'm going to take this. Like, it's still that. That's at its prime level. It's still cheating like that. And you can't fucking allow people to do that, in my opinion. You know, <clears throat> we get caught up an awful lot. You know, he, you know, he did, he made a mistake or, and you can feel bad for someone. You can give someone a second chance when they do that, but still you have to punish them as well. You can't allow people just to do that. In my opinion, you can't allow them to do that. I think you're going to get a lot of tweets about this week's show, Sean. Yeah, I hope I do. Sean Sheehan goes on passionate rant about performance enhancing drugs and mixed yeah. martial arts. It's a big thing. Like it's a, it's a huge thing. What you're on the, you're on the call kind of. Lifetime banner, big bands side I, of it. Yeah. I've seen the light now that you've just said, yeah, everyone deserves a second chance. And I completely agree with that. If you're a second time offender, I would have no issue with someone being told, yeah, by the way, you're never fighting mixed martial arts again. You had your chance. You know the dangers. We told you if you got caught again that this won't uh, this won't be happening. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, like, and I, did, I think a big part of it, just to mention it as we as we move on to the next topic. Sorry, you can ha- we just take a moment yeah. here to appreciate fucking proper stupidity, right? A nice sweet text from my brother there. Can you talk or are you doing your podcast? No, I'm recording my podcast. Text me. Door just bursts open. <laughs> what a prick! 
Sorry about that. Continue. Ja, never liked John McGahan. Never liked him. No, and don't vote for him in the next election either. <laughs> Why would it? He's Fine Gael, sir, isn't he? Uh, that's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you afraid to say he's Fine Gael or something? Why? Well, people, look, people be... You know yeah, what to say. It's just going to get edited the, out. You don't want the troubles of the... Yeah, exactly. Being yeah. I'm my own man, Sean. <laughs> You're an independent Andrew McGahan. That's what oh, you from now on. Indo Andy. I like that. But yeah, look, uh, the, just the last point on it, and I need to reiterate it again. I, I think a huge thing in this is catching people red-handed. You ha- you know, you have to catch them a lot in their system. You have Apparently, as well, was some, just to, to get off point a little bit, but it's on point. Someone said the thing Chad Mendes was caught for has a 90-minute half-life. So you can, he'd only get caught for 180 minutes after he took it. So he literally must have been caught red-handed almost with a fucking needle in his arm no to, to be caught for that. Yeah. Like, you know, if if you are taking that stuff, right, why wouldn't you say, uh, oh, I'm going for an all run up the hill here. Or I'm going, you know, I'm going shooting deer or something. I'll be back in four hours. Like, you know. Just tell someone, you sadder, Like, yeah. Tell you sadder. Oh, you sadder. Oh, sorry, I'm up, uh, I'm up a hill. I'll be back as soon as I can. You arrive back 181 minutes later. <laughs> Into them. So, yeah, well, you sadder. Our things. Yeah, but that's mad getting caught like that. My God. I'd be raging though, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd be raging. Imagine like you're, you're probably paying top dollar for this best steroid to be out of your system ASAP. And then the sadder guy in his shirt and tie just shows up at your door 15 minutes after you've injected yourself Fair I'd be raging yeah. just, it's, it'd be like the equivalent of hiding from the TV license inspector <laughs> <laughs> you know there should be a group there probably is a secret group where fighters will text each other to say yo got you sadded today they're in the area 100% fighters have told other fighters that you sadder are in the hood they come at 6 o'clock every morning though is that That's all they come right, at? Yeah. if you look at them like they're always six o'clock in the morning. Like, look, you go back and like look at fighter tweets. Yeah, like Wake McGregor's been just at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, like Shaz Narcod. Oh, six a.m. I got called this morning, and loads of people are called. McGregor actually got tested yesterday. As well. I saw a picture of it there somewhere. So they're they're still at it. But yeah, I suppose if you've any questions on on that, hit us up at Severe May Pod, and we'll we'll answer a couple of them next week to to uh, get back to it if you've any. Anything wrong we said or anything um, anything you agree or disagree with, let us know and we'll, we'll get back to it next week. Excellent. Sean, can we talk about some two about two females punching each other in the face? We can. Were you watching uh, Carnation Street as well last night? <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> was there actually fights in Carnation Street? I have no night? idea. I haven't oh, watched if, if, there had been, if there had been there, then we could have just taken this podcast in a different direction completely. There probably was, like, you on. I don't know, any character. What's the red-haired one that used to be on it? Um, oh. I just know Gail Platt wouldn't take Gail any Platt, shit. Yeah, and our, our mother Audrey, isn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see them thrown down now. I'd say, they, I'd say there'd be some elbows in the clinch for them too. But yeah, the fight at the weekend. I, have a qu- you, I just have a stat one? for you, right? Yeah. The fight took, today is Monday the 25th if, of yeah. July. The fight took place on Saturday, so that's the 23rd. On the 23rd of November, 2005, that was the last time I'm about, like, that's the two dates that I want you to take a a pick at. Mm -hmm. So think of the event, think of the fighters. What am I linking this to? 
So I'm about to hit you with a stat. So let's say this the sentence will be it wasn't since on the twenty third of November two thousand and five has done something. Until a champion last asked night. two fights in a row? Well, completely wrong. Because on the 23rd of November 2005, Andrei Shevchenko oh. <laughs> gave the last great sporting performance from a Shevchenko in competitive sport when he hit a hat-trick against Fernabache from Milan in the Champions League. Fair. So Fair. there you go. Yeah. He also was on the list for... Players that have scored, he is uh, among six players to have scored two hat tricks in the Champions League. In the Champions League, and he's on a list with Fernando Torres and Matija Kesman, who are crap strikers that Chelsea bought after Roman Abramovich came in. Don't really care because I just wanted to find a good Andrei Shevchenko <laughs> fight so we could talk about this fight at the weekend. <laughs> okay, you. I believe you have some. Oh no, you have you, some thoughts on you, this. You are the one that has a has a. Look, you're going to throw a few things out. I'm going to come back at you. I have a okay. couple of notes from throughout the rounds. Right, let's do this. Look, if you listen to this podcast, you're probably sick of hearing me talk about range. And I, I honestly think range is the most important thing in, in MMA. <clears throat> and I think that was absolutely huge in this fight on Saturday night. Like in my preview before, I talked about, and we spoke about it last week, <clears throat> how this, I thought this fight would be boring, right? Because I thought no one would come into that range. Like Shevchenko's a counterpuncher. Holly Holm, we know Holly Holm, she fights re- so far on the outside that when she throws punches, they don't even get within like two feet of her opponent. And I thought that was going to happen unless Shevchenko closed the distance. But what in actual fact happened was Holly Holm closed the distance. And she fought in such a way that she isn't used to fighting. Like in the first round, I thought Shevchenko was doing very well because Holm was fighting on the outside. She was fighting in the distance she wanted. But Shevchenko was doing well to kind of, she wasn't coming in much. But when Holm did throw those punches that got like two two feet away, she was coming in, she was catching her with her right hook and stuff. She was catching her with little jabs. She was doing very well. And then Holm caught her with a big, uh, I think it was a, a left hand, and, and put her down. And when that happened, I think I think it changed the whole fight. Holm got more confident. She started coming in. She started fighting in on the inside. She started attacking Shevchenko, maybe trying to finish her. And I think that played right into Shevchenko's game. And once Holm got into that, she couldn't get out of it. She you know, she ran in, she was, you know, she was throwing straight shots down the centre and she was getting caught with that uh, counter right hook all night. She was getting caught with leg kicks. She was, you know, Shevchenko was throwing high kicks. She was kicking to the body. She was just catching her everywhere. And it was, you know, home is really good. Like Shevchenko is when someone is coming at her and she can counter him. Remember the Rousey fight? Like she was, that, you know, that image that we'll never forget of Rousey kind of, you know, um, Rousey coming to attack her and home just getting away like the matador getting you know getting away from the bull oh, we'll never yeah. forget the that step. yeah exactly but on Saturday night it was like the other way around it was like Shevchenko was bringing her in and home was just standing there and getting punched and then trying to get away you know it, it was just a, a total reversal you you have to give credit to Valentina Shevchenko as well it's not all Holly Holm even though I think most of it is but she did well to drag Holly Holm into the pocket to drag her into her range where she wanted the fight to happen and when she got her there she took advantage of it like you could she was so cool and and calm and collected it was it was just a, a fantastic display in my opinion I, holly home tried just one last on. thing. holly home tried and i mentioned it on twitter at the time around the third or fourth round she tried to get back out into her distance again and fight from on the outside she tried to calm it down but she just couldn't do it she didn't go like she did in the first round 
came into that pocket, came in and landed those attacking right hands and drew home back in. And then it forced home because she knew she was down rounds. It forced home to come back and it forced home to try to attack her again because she needed to finish. And just everything that happened in the fight, apart from her getting knocked down, played into Shevchenko's hands, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it was like the sort of fight that watching it back was a perfect five rounder for Shevchenko. You know, maybe over three rounds she's not able to get that sort of a comprehensive performance in against home. And you said you thought the the drop in the first round set the tone. I think it was even sooner than that because like sixty to seventy seconds into the fight, Holly Home um, overextended on a jab, and I thought Home looked really slow in this fight. That was the one thing that I took from it more than anything. She overextended on a jab, and Shevchenko hit a right cross. And then the following exchange was the one that dropped Shevchenko. So it was kind of like Shevchenko saying to her, this is how I'd like it to go. And Holmes like, okay, bring it, bitch. Drops her and then thinks, right, now what? So I think Home in her head maybe after one of those, it was one of the first exchanges. And getting her down to the mat, maybe in her head she's thinking, that's there for me. You know, that will come up again throughout the fight. And she coasted a little bit. And it was maybe halfway through the second round, she realized that this could not, this may not work. And then she initiated a grappling exchange. Shevchenko went for a takedown, lazy takedown. Home just was able to get her arms down and put her up against the cage. And in my opinion, seemed content to be able to work on her there. Wasn't going for any sort of progressive takedown. It, uh, Shevchenko ended up taking home down afterwards. That won her the round convincingly because Shevchenko ju- uh, home was doing nothing to try and get up. She was literally holding. She was blocking an underhook at one time, blocking the crossface. Shevchenko was able to land a couple of nice elbows, but I think Holly Home just fought a really bad fight as well. Like I'm not taking anything away from Shevchenko because notably her hand speed was fantastic. Like, she was landing volume, she was landing multiple shots in an exchange before Holm had even got her second one out. And as she's overextending on the second shot, Shevchenko's already gone. Do you know? And there was just... Oh. One thing she always did as well, you've spoke about this before from strikers, particularly Muay Thai strikers, it's something that Keen Cowley does very well. They're throwing kicks like nothing. Do you know? You see mixed martial artists throw kick and it's like they're throwing a punch. But to a Muay Thai specialist, throwing a throwing a leg kick on the way out of a punching exchange is nothing to them. And I think she really did that multiple times with an inside leg kick on home. She had her battered there. Like. Yeah, I thought it was phenomenal display by uh, by Valentina uh, Shevchenko. I think like she really put herself onto the uh, you know up to the upper echelon of uh, of bantamweights with, with that display. Like it, it's tough for home as well because. She frustrated her though. So bad. She like, did, that's yeah. So, uh, like, just one qu- one more quick thing. Sorry. Oh, She's yeah. not a, a. Give a bad account of home, I think, but also maybe an unfair one. Because mm-hmm. she had the speed advantage and because she was just winning all those exchanges, and Holly was getting more and more desperate maybe as the fight went on, and she was overextending herself, and that was playing into how Shevchenko was fighting so well. I think there was, uh, towards the end of the third round, there was three big exchanges and home lost every single one all in the space of 60 seconds and then it ended up and um, she got taken down with the trip when Shevchenko caught her leg kick that was like the the third the 3 of 3 and it was just from there i was just thinking like right Shevchenko has this completely yeah styles make fights too and i think 
Holly Holm, we saw her against Ronda Rousey. It was a bad style matchup for Ronda Rousey. We saw her against Misha Tate. It was a good style matchup for her one way, but then when Tate got her to ground, it was a bad style matchup. And I think last or, uh, Saturday night against Shevchenko was another very bad styles matchup. Like Shevchenko, I, I, for me, I thought Holm would win because it'd be largely, it'd be a fist fight. You know, they'd be throwing punches at each other. But I think Holm did so well to not only attack her with kicks, but fight her in such a way that if you know, with home obviously fighting in the pocket, she she couldn't get out the range because she was attacking at the start and then um with, with a little bit of uh, Shevchenko breaking down as well. But she also couldn't get into the clinch because Shevchenko's so good in the clinch. And I think home she mentioned it later on. I think that's what she was talking about. That she, you know, she needs to be a little bit less afraid of fighting in areas that she knows she's now good at. And I'm not sure I agree with that, but I think that's what she was talking about. I think she was talking about the clinch. You know, she was she was stuck. She was stuck in between a, hard, a rock and a hard place. She she wasn't fighting at a really long range, and she was afraid or maybe didn't want to, whatever you want to say it, get into the clinch, to get inside. So she was stuck in the middle, right in that range, and she she couldn't go anywhere. Whereas Shevchenko, she could get back out to long range and stare there when she wanted and wait for home to come in and be there to time her. You know, it, it, it was just... It was it was a perfect thing. I I uh, described it. I was talking to someone about it. It's like a cricket player. I thought Shevchenko was like you know a cricket player. They stand there and they wait for the ball to come to them, and then and they, they move a little bit back, and then they're swinging it and hit when the ball arrives at them. That's what Shevchenko was doing. She was waiting for home to come in, and then she was swinging and hitting her and timing her when she came in. You know, whereas home was the ball. Home was just coming head first into it and getting hit. You know, so I, I you know, and when you talk about styles. That style played very well for Shevchenko because she's such a good counterpuncher. And home isn't home is home well home isn't a good attacker. She's a good counterpuncher as well. But Shevchenko never Shevchenko never gave her the opportunity to counterpunch. So there you go. Where do we think? Um, I, we won't really say what's next for Holly Home, but I have to say from watching that. Well, okay, we will. There's an example, Sean. You could have sat out and wait for the money fight. But you took yeah. a fight, wanted to stay active, which is what, yeah, you should have done, and now it's backfired. So I hesitate. Do you think? Are we uh, going to see home versus Rousey, Madison Square Garden? Does that home fight with Misha Tate on UFC 194, didn't she? The biggest grossing card of all time. She got pay-per-view points for that. I think she made a good decision. Or 196, sorry. No, but since then, she was going to sit and wait for Rousey. There was talk that she could sit from 196 and wait for Rousey. Or are After you she lost to Misha Tate? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Well, maybe you didn't, yeah. But, yeah, I didn't hear that. But I think the, most of the talk was before the Misha Tate fight that she'd fight and rematch Rousey. But I think, I think that fight's still there. I think that, that can still happen. Actually, I think now the fight to make is the rematch of Holly Holm and Misha Tate. I think that'd be... A good one to rematch right now. I think if Rousey's coming back, you give her the title shot. But if she's not coming back, I think you give Pena to uh, to um, Nunes, and I think you make that happen as soon as possible. Shevchenko think- and Nunes would be a great fight, though. They already fought, yeah, and Shevchenko won, but that would be not a great rematch, yeah. And I think you, I'd like to see that fight, but I think you can't make that again because she lost her. She only lost her like what six months ago or something like that. It wasn't that that long ago, so I don't think you could make that fight immediately again. A fight that we should make immediately again, though, Sean. Yes. Giblert Melendez versus Edson Barboza. Blurt. My immediate take from it, Sean, was 
Mike Goldberg actually said something in a mixed martial arts fight that turned out to be relevant no, as it went on. What did he say? Yeah. I think in the first round, he said that Melendez had said, this is his chance to prove that he is still relevant in the division. So you could tell going into the fight, and in my opinion, from the first round, which was en route to being a 10-10 up until maybe the last minute. It was just, it seemed like both guys had a little bit of respect for each other. It was tentative enough but with good flurries and good exchanges. And it was Barboza who really brought the heat in the last minute. Um, it was like a flurry of hands, and it just caught him. Like I thought there could have been a finish if he had have pounced on it even then. And then you're thinking, okay, this fight may be just back and forth. Start of the second round, completely caution thrown into the wind. Both men want to meet each other in the middle and thump the head off each other. It was that sort yeah. of unpredictability. Was, yeah, yeah. I, uh... I enjoyed this fight. It wasn't maybe as rambunctious as people thought it would be, but I thought it was still a very good fight. Um, as you say, yeah, the first round, it was it was a good even match. Like you, I wrote in my article as well, and I think a lot of people maybe forgot about it, but Gilbert Melendez is a good fucking fighter. Like, don't forget that. Like, he's a very good boxer, and he, you know, he can trade with anyone, and he did exactly that with Barbosa. But I think... Uh, I think Barbosa is the best striker in the lightweight division, like the best pure striker. I'm not sure he's the best fighter in the whole division, but he's. The, I think he's the best striker. And Melendez went in there and struggled with him. Like he, he tried to take him down, tried to push him against the defense a couple of times at the start of the fight, like he he usually does when he's fighting guys like that. But he couldn't do it, so he you know he was kind of stuck in a in Barbosa's realm. And I think he did he did pretty well. I, look, it's easy to to really look at this fight. And say what won? Uh, what won it? I think it was the leg kicks won the fight really for Barbosa. You know, he he kicked him all night. He cut down his movement, uh, and you know that was basically what won in the fight. Just a couple of uh, of points in this fight. I think Barbosa Anderson Silva esque. Yeah, I think Barbosa or no, uh, Aldo Aldo esque. Yeah, I think take down defense. I think Barbosa could have finished this fight uh, if he had up the pace, but I think he he got a little bit he got a little bit careful, and you can't um, you can't. You know you can't fault him for that, but I think he got a little bit careful because in the second round Melendez dropped him. Like, and in that second round, he hit Melendez with maybe ten or twelve big right hands and big well left hands and right hands. He caught him with the left hook a lot, and they were all probably as hard, if not harder, than the one punch Melendez hit him with and dropped him with. And I I tweeted at the time, durability is a motherfucker, and it really is, and that's always been. A reason why Melendez has been so good, along with all these other skills, you know, he's he can, you know, he can take a lick and then come back taking. But Barbosa can't. Barbosa can't fight that way. He, you know, if he gets hit once, you know, against someone, if he fought Conor McGregor, I think Conor McGregor hit him once and knock him out. Probably, you know, I think Habib is a nightmare matchup for him. Not only in uh, in the way that Habib fights, uh, you know, grappling and he's going to catch a hold of him, push him around. But I think if Habib hits him once hard, he has enough power to knock him as well. I think there's. And I really like Barbosa. Like Barbosa is one of my favorite fighters. I love his style, but he needs to fight in that style that he fought in Saturday night, where he gets hit once. He needs to protect himself. If Melendez is there and he's, you know, he's rocked with leg kicks. If he's fucked with leg kicks, he needs to stay on the outside and he needs to, you know, don't let Melendez come in. Don't give him a chance. Just keep, you know, win the decision. He kick him with leg kicks a little bit like Alistair Overeem has started to do. You know, protect your chin fight on the outside, come in and land those big shots only when it's safe to do so. I think Melin, that's 
the people have been thinking why is Barbosa kind of changed why is he turned the corner I think that's why he's turned the corner in the last year or so I think that's the difference between the Barbosa of old and the new Barbosa I think he's fighting a lot smarter you know fighters are good because they fight in a way which they can win and I think that that was what McGregor was always good at until the Diaz fight um, I think that's you know, that's what home did against Rousey that time. That's what Rousey always did, you know, fighting in her way. And when she tried to, you know, get into the boxing, it kind of let her down. I think that's what makes a great fighter. They fight in a way that maximizes their ability to win. And I think that's why Edson Barboza has done so well recently. He's fighting to protect his chin and he's fighting to strike and hit when he can without getting hit himself. There's one thing Edson Barboza always reminds me of, Sean, and... <clears throat> It was kind of solidified with this fight at the weekend. He fights like a video game character that's trying to replenish his stamina. <laughs> he does, yeah. That's and that's true. kind of what you're going on the way now, saying how he maybe should fight in the future, because I completely agree. He seems like the guy who is just saving his energy for the flurries that he knows he can cause the most damage. Yeah. Or maybe he's been a little bit more tactical in how he's trying to win rounds i.e. taking Melendez down at the end of the second. Do you know that sort of thing? And finishing the round there and causing a bit of damage. And you're just thinking, this guy is someone who's fighting a lot smarter. And you're a big uh, fan of Fight IQ and you talk about it a lot. I think that, more than anything, is going to be... like. F- like I still don't think he's going to beat Tony Ferguson if they f- fought again. Do you know? I don't think he's going to be a champion in that division. But then again, if you had told me two fights ago or three fights ago, or a year ago, that Edson Barboza would be doing now what he is doing, then I would have laughed at you and told you the way to fuck. So, I, I'm not... Ru- I, no, I'm going to put a stick on it. He'll never be a champion in the UFC. Uh, I think he could. I think we mentioned with Holly Holm there, the styles make fights to start a thing. You know, if he fought Eddie Alvarez, I think he could probably beat Eddie Alvarez. And well, this Alvarez just in, Andrew McGahan changed his opinion <laughs> on Edson Barboza potentially being a champion. Yeah, but their, their teammates as well, obviously, so that might not happen. Like, you know, you could see people who could beat Eddie Alvarez, who he could beat. Like, I th- if he fought Michael Chiesa, I think he could beat Chiesa. But I think Chiesa has a chance of beating Alvarez. You know, you know, there's a lot of people there. Now, I think he sh- Will Brooks is the fight for him next. I know a lot of people disagree with that, but I, I think that makes sense. Like he's fought a lot of the guys who are up there around the the top of the lightweight division. P- people are saying Dasanios, Dasanios coming off of that loss for a title as well. I don't. I, I'd rather Dasanios fight someone else. To be honest, I don't know why. It's just maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I I'd rather him fight someone to work kind of his way back up or someone coming off of a loss as well maybe even Melendez or he already beat Melendez did he but someone or did he I don't know I can't remember but someone like that anyway you know it, I know it's it's different when you're coming off of a title loss but um, I, th- I think um, I, yeah I, th- I don't know I just I don't like that matchup really I don't, don't like he's, he's never fought Melendez actually yeah, so I haven't fought Melendez there you go just an excellent bit of Wikipedia in there, ladies and gentlemen, from <laughs> Sean Sheehan. From one end of the point in. to his other. That's a complete 180. Do you know, that's beautiful. Said, no, that's a 360. I, that's not even a 180. I said absolutely none for about 90 seconds while I was looking on Wikipedia there. I just said words. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. Rafael de Sanos is fighting Gilbert Melendez yeah, next. Make it happen. Courtesy of matchmaker Sean Sheehan. Gilbert Gibbler. He's fought five times in the UFC. Lost four, won one against Diego Sanchez, where he was nearly knocked out cold. Imagine that he could be five and oh and five in the UFC. 
0-5 That could be mad But he also could have won A couple of those fights as well There were split decisions and so Yeah that's It's a bit of madness But uh, I suppose Just let's talk a little bit About the rest of the card For a couple of minutes here Um uh, Jason Knight against Jim Allers was a one fight at night great fighting in uh, pity to see Jim Allers losing a guy that's been around the local scene here for a long time um, Cameron Usman I thought put in a phenomenal display of wrestling uh, against uh, Alexander Yakolev won that fight very impressive as did Darren Elkins against Godfredo Pepe there was a few legal blows in that fight just a quick one to mention um, Elkins landed an elbow and that fight, and you know, people are talking about, oh, it's not legal because it's it's six to twelve, not twelve to six. That's true, but he landed it on the top of the head, right? Say between the top of the head and the back of the head. So right on, I think it's called your people called the pole. He landed one right there, and that's an illegal shot. And he uh, got a Pepe landed that from the bottom on Elkins, and he rocked Elkins. He clearly rocked him, and then El- Elkins hit him with an illegal knee of like maybe thirty to forty seconds later. I think Elkins was still a little bit rocked, but Elkins got a point taken for that illegal knee, and Pepe didn't get a point taken for the illegal elbow. Now maybe John McCarthy was moving; he didn't see it or something. But I thought I thought that was pretty bad, um, to be honest. But you know, it didn't really make a difference anyway. Elkins went down and won the fight. Eddie Wineland as well came back against Frankie Science put on a phenomenal display and, and knocked out Sainz in, in the third round another good display as well from Felice Eric I thought she looked better than ever Kieran Curran just absolutely looked out of her depth when I went to the ground you could literally see her shaking in fear when the fight went to the ground which is never good uh, so Felice Herrig showing some of that grappling pedigree yeah. that was supposed to beat Paige Van Zandt yeah but I, I think Herrig you hear a lot of people talking about, oh, I, I, you know, I had kind of, I had mental problems, I had mental, mental difficulties, and I wasn't coming together. But I don't know why. But the way she spoke about it, I kind of believed her, and I never believe him, never believe you. you know me, I'm an awful prick for that. I don't believe you, but I kind of did believe her when she was speaking about it this week, and she, she looked that way. You know, she looked that way in the cage. She just looked like she was on it. She looked like she was sharp. And Herrig's one of those people that she sometimes she can look very, very good, and sometimes she can look very, very, very bad. But uh, I don't think she'll ever be champion in that division. But I think there's a lot of good fights for there, you know, around the middle or, uh, you know, top top 15, top 7 to 15 maybe in that division. But what about my boy Francis Ngannou? What about him? Hard to get out or calling him now, Francis Ngannou. You're a big fan, Wow. Sean. Team Sheehan, like for... Took out the second most famous Bojan that I've ever heard <laughs> of as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh god he was probably as fucking tough as him as well but what he's the man's a monster if they don't make that Derek, Derek Lewis fight I'd be very surprised the people are saying oh Derek Lewis is Derek Lewis is ahead of him in the rankings well who like Derek Lewis fought Ryan Nelson lost that fight in my opinion looked fucking terrible and just like threw loads of big bombs I, I'm still not told in Derek Lewis as as people who listen to this podcast know I uh, you know I think and if Francis Ganoa would absolutely destroy him. I think he'd knock him out on her own. Maybe you want to see him exposed. I want to see Derek Lewis exposed. Put him in there with my boy Francie. Francie kill him. Himself and Tom Ducanois just going around putting French MMA on the map. <laughs> Despite the sport being illegal there, Sean. Sure, it'll be grand. We'll get over that. It'll be grand. I wonder would guys like those two help change the public perception in the country or are they all just like still no judo probably yeah probably. we love the judo <laughs> I believe there are certain judokas that are being banned now from competing competing in mixed martial arts and well not certain judokas all judokas and jiu jitsu tournaments and the IJF 
So the International Judo Federation are creating Niwaza tournaments, which are Niwaza is when judo goes to the ground. So it's to try and stop judokas from heading over and competing in jiu-jitsu tournaments. Oh, they're stopping ju- judos from jiu-jitsu or stopping from MMA? Luckily enough, Sean, I have the quote right here. In 2015, remember when the UFC tried to sponsor the, the judo oh, yes. competition and then they yeah. just uh, they pulled it after they had already accepted it. Then they banned or they stripped the UK of the event and hosted it somewhere else. Then the head of the French Judo Federation said any member teaching in mixed martial arts would be excommunicated from their organization. Anyone that's caught teaching MMA will be removed from the French Judo Federation. MMA is illegal in France. Those who teach do not have the right and are liable to be written off. They put the federation in trouble if there's a serious injury and it will be my fault. And then the European Judo Union president told the BBC, MMA is not a sport, it is some kind of show. So to me, Mm. it's very similar to traditional martial artists being offended or being worried by the more... No, let's try and move this away from martial arts. Let's let's incorporate it into secondary school terms, Sean. It's the captain of the GAA team being really afraid of the captain of the rugby team because the cap because yeah. the rugby team have had a couple of good few years. Because remember they had O'Brien playing out half for the junior junior cup, and then he went on mm. for Leinster anyway, and uh, he played very well in the senior team too. That's like me every time Munster lose a big game. I was like, ah, oh, that's good for Limerick Carlo. <laughs> horrible. I, try, I tried to really go, like, that was an off-the-cuff thing that I failed that badly, Sean, there. Basically, mm. the girl who's always the bridesmaid and never the bride. How about that? Yeah. We'll stick at that. Hopefully we can talk about mixed martial arts being legalised in France on this podcast in the next couple of years. Indeed. All right. I have one, one other uh, thing before we get on to this weekend's fights, if you don't mind. Do that. So if we're talking about the domestic scene, if we're talking about legalisation over there... <clears throat> Irish MMA is at a little bit of a, of a crossroads because you've got Irish MMA which is the domestic events and you have Irish mm-hmm. mixed martial arts fans and do not get confused here Sean because there are two very 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 different things as yeah. a man who got into all of this through having a love for the sport let me just throw a few things at you why do you think casual mixed martial arts fans have no interest in watching it live I'm not coming at this from a preachy point of view. I'm not a promoter. I couldn't care how many people show up to a show. But there was a show on in the City North Hotel at the weekend. And I got a text from someone. There was grappling matches and K1 fights on. There was no more than 70 people in the arena during the K1 fights. I don't know how many may or may not have shown up for um, for the mixed martial arts fights later on in the evening. But... Generally, from being at Irish MMA events, it's not done from the point of view that, oh, there's going to be 200 lads rock up now when this guy fights. Do you know what I mean? Because if there is a large amount of people there for a certain fighter, they're there from the start to get their money's worth and they're having a good day of cracking drinking. So what's up? What's the difference? I don't know. People just wanting higher... So I'm actually all over the place here with this now because I'm caught between this... Like I know we spoke before, I've spoke about this with you privately, I would love to see the promoters put some sort of money into the amateur team to be able to send them off to the world championships next year, or be able to part, assist in their sending off. But as we say on this podcast, the promoter is not your friend. 
and a promoter's job is to make money. So I'm thinking less and less of these shows are going to happen now because the promoters can't be making money at this stage. Yeah, uh, look, I'm I'm not one of these people that wouldn't that doesn't go to the show. Well, I, I might go. Off, obviously, they're too far away for me to go and stuff. But like. Limerick have a soccer team here. Like I could go to that, but I I wouldn't like. I'm not I'd, trying to be. A I'd rather a higher I'm level. Not trying to be a yeah, but, old League of Ireland yeah. fan who gives off about people supporting. Like because I agree but, with that as well. I agree with you. Yeah. Like. Yeah, but people. Those fights are not meant for like UFC fans. They're meant for people like you or like Ryan O'Connor, who was delighted got a on the podcast last week who likes that sort of thing who likes looking at people come up like I'm not really that type of guy so like I like I, I, I don't mind seeing prospects coming up and, and doing well and stuff like but you know I'm the kind of I concentrate on the UFC side of it or the Bellator side of it or even the Bama side of it but the grassroots is not kind of my deal and I, I don't think I think that's a very specific niche. I think guys like you and and guys like Ryan like that. And, you know, there's loads of people, you know, obviously all the coaches around, you know, people, friends and families, kind of that's where it's for. There's a, there's a small group of, I think, hardcore fans that probably, you know, love that. But it, it, I don't think it's, you're not ever going to get huge crowds of something like that. And, you know, unless there's someone, you know, unless there's someone as you said, a big ticket seller or something like that. And I think that's just natural. And I think that's okay as well because I think that's okay for the fighters, you know. Maybe it's better that to start a fight in front of fucking 500, you know, 25 people than exactly. fighting in front of 2,500 people. This is this is what yeah. I think may happen or possibly even should happen. I would much rather see a card not run than to run eight amateur fights or nine amateur fights and expect people to pay 25 or 30 euro for it. I would much mm-hmm. rather see four or five pro fights on a card with an amateur undercard. And from what I'm hearing, this Wimp to Warrior thing that's going to be on in a couple of weeks' time, Sean, is virtually sold out already because it's a fresh, it's fresh people coming into it. You know, it's just people that are training for a couple of months and their friends and family wants to see them fight. But now when you've got amateur guys who are fighting on all these different cards and they're not maybe, people aren't coming, oh, I want to see this fighter, I want to see that fighter. You need a variety. Do you know what I mean? You need nearly fighters from every single different gym to be able to get any sort of attendance at your show. You can't put five guys from the one gym on a show and expect to get 500 people in to see those five guys. You know, it just needs yeah. to be completely spread out all around the place. I'm not too sure where it's, what's going to happen. I do think the future lies in GA halls um, for mix, amateur mixed martial arts in this country for the most part. But it's, uh, it's, it's sad because it's weird because four years ago, four years ago this weekend, or four years ago last weekend, um, was Cage Contender 5, or six years ago. And that's John Ferguson in the National Basketball Arena with 1,500 to 2,000 people in there and some crazy atmospheres. And now a show could potentially run four shows in a year and not even touch that attendance figure. Yeah, but you have Bam as well doing double that nearly. I know, Sean, but I just miss it. Who did he, who did, who did he have on that card? Um, Paul McVeigh fought Stetankov. Yeah. Paddy Houlihan fought Milan Kovac. Carl Pendred fought Liam Shannon. But no, that's like these yeah. are that was when Paddy was maybe four and oh. 
Yeah, exactly. But those kind of guys are on Bama. Like, look at Dylan too. Look at who, whoever. Like, okay, Chris Fields is a lot more experienced. But you know, the guys coming in there, um, Franz Malambo, like that. They're that's their level now. That's where they are now. You know, the guys you're talking about are amateur guys. Like, you know, what, what I'm sure Conor McGregor and Kyle Binder and Paddy Hoolan when they were two and all as an amateur, if they didn't even have amateur, I don't know. You you'd know better than me. But like, I'm sure you know. Back then, there wasn't people, there wasn't thousands of people there. No, that's fair enough. I was just, I just thought it was interesting because I was told the attendance was very low at that show at the weekend. And I just thought the sport has, has progressed in such a massive way in this country, but has regressed in several ways that like it was, it was a bigger deal a couple of years ago for them, like for them shows. And maybe it's just marketing. Maybe it's guys not selling tickets or promoter not trying to sell tickets. But the last couple of shows that I've been at, attendance-wise, have been very poor. So that's all. Mm-hmm. Anyway, get out and support it, sure. Do people go and go and watch? Me too. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come to Batman and watch that. You're gonna going watch to fights. work at Batman. Fogarty. That's true. Yeah. Bring a shot of Limerick. I'll go. You'll have at least one person there. Excellent. Okay, this weekend. Right, you'll see two on one this weekend. We'll just mention it, uh, kind of in passing here, because it's not, it's not the best card really. So we won't bore you with it too much. Uh, let's just look at the undercard quickly before we get anywhere else. Uh, Wilson Hayes was supposed to fight Mighty Mouse on this card, but now he's fighting Hector Sandoval, who I believe is from Team Alpha Male, and he's a good prospect. Uh, you've Ross Pearson against Sarhe Masvidal, which is a great fight. Ross I really Pearson like that one. Just yeah. making that Reebok money. He wants to get up making to the higher that dollar. Team. 100% I, I like that fight You were probably picking up by Jorge Masvidal To win that yeah. Is it Jorge or George? Jorge. Yeah, I think okay. so Go on. I've heard people say sure. George But I would say Jorge Okay I'm going to keep saying Jorge so. George Masvidal No I think I say George Masvidal Yeah I do too yeah. actually I just started George saying now for some reason. Yeah sorry Sean Just call him yeah, Masvidal, Masvidal. I, Do you think I think Masvidal's Maybe not his power, but maybe his speed with his power is going to be a little bit too much for us. Pearson over three rounds. I don't think he'll finish Pearson, but it, I, I think uh, it'll be probably a close decision. But I think Masvidal win it. The goat. Two He's bullshit bad. split decision losses. He yeah. should be on the verge of a title shot, Sean. Give him Barboza. Did he fight me before? I don't know. I'm not going to Wikipedia. Fuck it. Wikipedia result. Herman against uh, Krylov. I like Nikita Krylov in that. He's on a bit of a roll lately. I like that fight a lot. Um, just a, a top card in. Next. Uh, yeah. I like. Uh, just for that, Rivera and Perez, good fight as well. Brown and Ellenberger, good fight. I think Brown and his durability will, will win him that one. Ian McCall against Justin Scoggins. I like that fight an awful lot. And I think this is one of those fights, you know, where. You look at the you look at the XY axis and you have the curve and you have one guy's curve going up and you have one guy's curve coming down and they're kind of meeting right there in the middle. I think that's uh, that's McCall and, and Scoggins in a nutshell. And I think when that happens, I think you meet the guy on the way up and I think you pick Scoggins in that fight to win. Ian McCall talks think? a good game and has for many years and I think we're in a very similar position sitting here recording this podcast when we were last week Sean sitting talking about Edson Barboza versus Gilbert Melendez an exact replica of a guy on his way up versus a guy on his way down it may be just a little too soon for Scoggins I don't know I think Ian McCall could be like he's still living with the demons that he probably should have a UFC champion he should have a UFC belt on his shoulder or he reminds me of Uriah Faber or should have at least 
had it at one stage, but I don't know. I don't think he's as, I don't want to say as bad as Uriah Favour, but... No, but I think he was the best in the world before the best in the world were in the UFC at Flyweight. Like he, if he, if the Flyweight division had been there for 10 years before that, I think he probably would have been a champion for three or four years. You know, like Uriah Faber probably would have been if the belt was in the UFC, but it wasn't. You know, he was beating everyone on the local scene and, um, you know, doing it with a plum. But then I think he's just a little bit like 32. He's shoving on a little bit. How many fights he's had? He's a, like this he's 20 a fight at the weekend you know that's that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, mileage like he beat guys like Dustin Ortiz UCF Armiga uh, Darren Montague on, on the local scene or fought Dominic Cruz and he's a lot smaller than Dominic Cruz and lost to him but like he won and you know he was 12 and 2 before he came into the UFC like that's a smashing record for someone at flyweight who probably found it very hard to get fights and stuff um, but yeah I, I like Scoggins an awful lot he, and he, he he fights out of the uh the Wonder Boy, the Wonder Boy camp as well. He he trains under uh, Wonder Boy's dad, I believe. So that's a uh, that's another reason why you should be um you should be picking picking One him. Final so I think thing, Sean. Let's say Scoggins mm-hmm. dispatches of McCall easily. How yeah. much would you like to see Neil Siri fight Ian McCall? That'd be good. Yeah, there was it was often uh, talked about before. I, yeah, I think that'd be a good fight. Yeah, I think Siri's coming off a loss now. Ian McCall's coming off a loss. Just do it. Yeah. We just want to see it. We just want to see a scrap. I agree. Speaking of scrap, Carolina uh, Kovalkovich is fighting Rose Namajunas, which I'm sure uh, Mike Goldberg will be delighted about on Saturday night. <laughs> Surely um, not. Oh, Mike's doing it again, is he? Yeah, oh. he is, yeah. You'll see 201. I really like this fight. I was watching, right, my preview there a couple of days ago, watching a uh, tape on this fight. Kovalkovich is, she's such a good fighter to watch. You know, she's, active on the outside she kind of she's a bit like a faster version of clay guida she you know she bounces on the outside comes in lands her shots bounces back out you know will hit you and stay in the pocket and he you know she'll take a punch to land a punch like as well before she gets back out um i Yunus has turned herself from a, a real submission artist into like a technical demon who'll just walk forward and walk you down you know if you come on to her she'll land counters she you know, it's a lovely job, but she's still putting it all together. Um, so I think, you know, I think she's very good and I think she will probably be one of the best in the division when she's uh when she's at her best. But I think Kovalkovich has a little bit of an um a little bit of an advantage on the feet at the moment. And I think Nami Yunus at her camp are very intelligent and might know that. So for that reason, I think she could go back to her submission game in this one because she hasn't she's gone away from it too much in her last couple of fights so I think Nami Yunus by a submission might be might be a smart bet in this one is it going to be I, the I, she I just bet of the feeling. week it might be I don't think it's much of a price so it mightn't be because it's I wouldn't say it's guaranteed like I wouldn't say you know I don't think it's you know it's not like oh someone who's definitely going to knock someone out going to you know or definitely going to submit someone I just have a feeling. I have a feeling she could win by a submission. Uh, you know, she hasn't. As I said, her last couple of fights, she's gone away from it a little bit too much, I think. And I think this might be the fight where she brings it back a little bit and, and shows how well-rounded she is. I think, like, as you've said there, despite her moving away from it, two submission, vi- or three submission victories since she's come into the UFC, but her fight, or no, two, is it? Uh, uh, no, the uh, last one was a decision and then... Paige and Angela yeah two two submissions for her 
is this the case that she just wanted to show everybody that she had improved drastically in her training camps at a certain area and it's like now I'm good enough to be able to take a fight in this aspect instead of relying on my grappling or do you think that it's just she has actually adopted this Tug Rose persona it's like look I don't give a fuck I'm going to fight you wherever I want wherever you want and we're just going to fight for 15 minutes I think she was too one dimensional she's the and, female Diaz uh, brother I think I think she's very good. I think she's very I think she's a very, very good fighter now. Like before she was just a submission artist. And that's maybe because she was very young. Like she only made her debut in two thousand and thirteen. Like she's you know, three years as a as a pro. You know. when I say one dimension, like the, that was a fairly good dimension, like and for someone so young in their career, now she's not one dimension anymore. Now she has everything like but I think she needed to move away from that. And even the, you know, she, you said she's two fights, won by submission. Okay, the first one was uh, a submission artist kind of submission against Angela Hill. But against Paige Van Zandt, it was a submission after a prolonged beating on, with her hands. Like she, you know, she she beat the crap out of her for five rounds and Paige submitted, or Paige uh, survived and then got tapped in the last uh, in the last round. But the Tisha Torres fight was kind of very much a, a kind of a nip and tuck kind of, uh, you know, cat and mouse kind of uh, kind of a fight that, that she won. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think I could I could see a flying armbar. I could see a flying triangle, something like that, Dave Fogarty style in this fight. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just misreading it, but I, I don't know. I think that that could be the X factor. I think our submission game could be the X factor if she decides to bring it back. But sometimes it's hard to do that as well. Like some people don't don't do that. Like once they they're stuck to this game, it's working for them. They're gonna keep sticking to it. They're not gonna you know bring back things that they used to do. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I just have I just have a little bit of a feeling. An appar uh, no apparition is that the word? Apparition. Oh, I can't think of maybe. it. Maybe yeah. Only only if it actually happens, it'll be. An so apparition. we spoke earlier on about how Holly Holm could have sat, could have waited. And actually, you're completely right, Sean. It was before the Tate fight that she should have sat and should have waited. I don't know what I was thinking about mm -hmm. the Rousey fight afterwards. Proof that sitting out and waiting may actually pay off is coming to a head this Saturday night. Tyrone Woodley finally gets his title shot against Robbie Lawler. I know the fans have been knocking down Zufa HQ for this one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, when mm -hmm. you think about it, if you look at Conor McGregor's run dispatching guys um, getting the decision against Max Holloway putting Parry away putting Brando away even though people will still cling to the oh well he beat Dennis Seaver to get his title shot yeah. many, like, many people just ignore the fact that what he had done beforehand Yeah, I think we have the equally as impressive run from a young Tyrone Woodley in the welterweight division here with a stunning victory over Dong Hyung Kim and a split decision victory over Kelvin Gastelum. There mm -hmm. you go, Tyron. Take your title shot. We're sorry that it's taken nearly a year and eight months for it to happen, but we couldn't ignore you for any longer, mate. And even if you go back before that, a knockout of shot Josh Koscheck and, and a, a, a knee Carlos injury Condit. win, Carlos Condit, who Carlos Condit basically fell and hurt his knee. Yeah, and Rory McDonald beat him yeah. as well in in the middle of all that. Yeah. Am I right? Am I just being a bastard here? Am no, I, I agree with you. This is the, one like, of the most undeserved title shots in UFC history. I I have no idea who's getting a title shot. Like I'd rather see the 
the Connor rematch, obviously Wanderby definitely deserves it. Damian Maya deserves it before him as well. I think uh, I I've no idea why they gave Tyron Woodley this shot. Like he must have something over him. Like I don't know, he must have dick pics of Dana White or something. Like he has to have. I don't know. I'm not sure how he's getting this fight, but regardless, he's getting it's the fight. The scenario, he has it. Lushan, that's the best about it because he was like, "No, I'm gonna yeah. sit here. I'm gonna sit and wait. I feel I've earned so my title shot." But he hasn't. He didn't even have multiple it, like. title defenses have happened since he beat Calvin Gastelum, and now it just seems like the UFC were stuck, and they were like, I "Wonders Tyrone still waiting." Do you know what I mean? Like, just look out into an old reception area. He's just chilling, still in the office. We'll see you now, Mr. Woodley. It's like when you're kept waiting for your driving license for fucking hours. That's what it is. He's reading the January 2015 uh, OK magazine in the waiting room. Oh, maybe I'm being harsh because we could eat our words here next week on the podcast. But that's not to say he can't win. I mentioned that in my previous well. He'll be able to read that short week. He could still win, even though he doesn't deserve this fight. Or, you know, he probably shouldn't be getting it. That doesn't mean he's not a live player in this fight. And I think he is a real live player. Because, okay, we say it every time Tyron Woodley fights, but he is dangerous at the start. He has power in the start. Like, w- watching his fights, you really see this thing where, you know, we talk about movement an awful lot. But Tyron Woodley has very good movement at the start of fights. And he's very hard. He's very good at when you're coming in, he'll, you know, we spoke about it with three or four other fighters in this podcast already but when you're coming in he'll counter you and he's very good at that he's big right hand and he can attack as well going forward but that big overhand right and if he lands that and you you're going to sleep if that happens early I don't care who who you are so there you go That that's, that's where he can be dangerous but once he gets a little bit tired he, like and this doesn't take long maybe six, seven, eight minutes and once that movement stops it's all over for him. That that's it. So he has to finish, unless he lays on on uh, Robbie Lawler for five rounds, which I don't think he will because uh, Robbie Lawler's takedown defense is very good. He has to finish it early. So that's that's dangerous, you know that, and that makes for an exciting fight and an intriguing fight early, in my opinion. Uh, but Robbie Lawler, as I said, he's a he's a he's a tough chin, but that chin will end. That chin is not going to last forever, and it's going to go. Someone's going to crack him, and he's going to get and knocked so, out. Oh my but god! It, it's going to be this weekend. It it's going to be the most Tyrone Woodley thing in the world. Do you know what I mean? You wait for so long, you want to fight the best guys for the belt, but instead you get a shot Robbie Lawler who crumbles <laughs> under your first left hook. Robbie Lawler has been in some hellacious fights in the last 18 months, like 10 rounds with Johnny Hendricks back of forth. Rory McDonald absolutely beat the shit out of each other twice. <laughs> Carlos Condit beat the shit out of each other again like a couple of months oh, ago Tyrone Woodley's becoming the UFC <laughs> champion this weekend <laughs> I'm changing my mind I don't think he is but I, he could he definitely like I give him a, I wouldn't be surprised motherfucker if he did win it like I would not be one bit surprised but what I do think is Lawler has been very smart recently in fights at the start he conserves his energy his cardio is unbelievable but he, he I think it's unbelievable because he conserves a little bit at the start he fights a little bit safe and he incrementally improves bit by bit through the fight and he almost gets better as the fight comes into the fifth round I think that all came after Johnny Hendricks beat him in that first title fight where he kind of said I'm not letting that fucking happen to me again where you know I'm doing well and in the fifth round Hendricks wins it like so I think that's that's what happened there so I think it, it you know it's a good match it's a good thing for um Woodley to be able to knock him out early but I also think it's a good matchup for uh Lawler in the way he fights and I think 
you know, that little bit of extra damage every round and a little bit of improvement every round as Woodley gets worse every round, I think that'll probably end in a late finish uh, for, for uh, Lawler. But you could end in an early finish with Diesel. You never know. Oh, that would be the worst. Having to talk about that next week. Mm. Could happen, like. Could because happen. Because this is just... If Tyrone Woodley beats Robbie Lawler, it's the equivalent of... Like, we're going to live in a world where Damien Maya becomes the welterweight champion, which is a world I heartily endorse. But, like, yeah. there will be fighters offering to blow Dana White to get the title shot if Woodley wins this weekend, like. You know the worst thing about that? If Woodley does win the title, should I, he won't be defended for about 18 months. Yeah, he'll just sit and wait. He's <laughs> like, hey, guys, no, I'm chilling. Going on holidays. <laughs> In fairness to Woodley as well, we must mention he was due to fight Johnny Hendricks, but Johnny Hendricks missed weight and the fight had to be cancelled as well. So in fairness to him now, that that's one little thing. But still and all, Johnny Hendricks was able to come back, get knocked the shit out by Wonderboy and knocked out again or beaten anyway by someone else in another fight. Hendricks fought twice since he missed weight like against uh, Woodley. So yeah, I like this fight. Like it is a good fight. I'm looking forward to it because of you know because of the intrigue behind it. Those first two rounds are going to be very interesting and I think any rounds that come after that are probably going to be very uh, violent as, as the kids in America like to say so yeah looking forward to it there you go this is time for a few questions right. it is Andrew and while you're getting those up let me mention our sponsors rosnutrition.com see when we get sponsored by a Viagra company that's exactly how you're going to introduce introduce it yeah. <laughs> oh yes it, it definitely is uh, but yeah rosnutrition.com you know if you're feeling a little bit stiff they, they, you know hey. get, get Get some Omnigine, get some vitamin D tablets in you, get some multivitamins, get some krill oil, get all that good stuff, protein, all, everything like that, over at uh, rosnutrition.com. If you use the promo code SEVEREMMA, you will get 25% off your first order. Can we, You can't do better than that. Who, who's giving 25% off, in fairness? Absolutely no one. no one. Tell a friend. It just doesn't have to be you. Tell a friend. Tell your sister. Tell your girlfriend's brother. Tell someone. Help us. Help you. There you go. Help yourself. And as, al- as always, Sean, throughout the week, send a message. We've been replying all day. I've been folding T-shirts and putting them into little envelopes and writing people's addresses all day. Well, I'm very sorry that my handwriting is the worst thing in the world, but I've actually gotten Snapchats of my handwriting saying LOL since last week, <laughs> saying, like, what is that? So um, I'll take all of those criticisms as as they come. Send a message to the Severe MMA Facebook page or send us a DM over on Twitter. We will get to you as soon as possible. I believe we are officially sold out of medium navies, unfortunately. So um, if you're a medium, get a red while they're still there. Sean, first question from one Mr. Podge. He wants to know, should WME consider cutting ties with USADA? Because you're risking stars being out of action for two to three years. Like, are the, like these are new guys. They can just turn around and say, actually, do you know what? We're going to do our own drug testing and w- leave it at that. They could. They could. But I don't think they should. Like, we obviously, we spoke about it this at Lint earlier on the Ad podcast. nauseum. Yeah. I think if you want to, sp- it's still a sport. And I think you want it to be sporting, so I think you need it to be fair, and I think you need to eradicate or at least quell the number of people uh, taking drugs and cheating. Nate Galida, I think is Nate, G-U-I-L-D-E-A, Galdea, Galdea, 
I don't know. On the back of Holly's last two fights, Sean, does this loss put any sort of a dampener on her win versus Ronda? People are calling her the Buster Douglas of, of MMA now. Did you see that? Did she beat the Tice? It's funny. She's the, the Muhammad Ali of boxing and the Buster Douglas of MMA. So uh, how does that really work? I, I don't know. Uh, it, it does a little bit, obviously, because she lost the title and, and, you know, she's now lost two in a row. But I still think that win over Ronda will never be forgotten. I don't think it makes that win any less brilliant. Will Martin would like to know, which is what we've just covered, why is Tyrone Ridley getting a title shot after sitting out for 18 months when Maya beats four good guys in the same time? And when and will the I'm UFC well, stop giving Francis Engano cans to crush and who would you match him with next? You've answered both of these questions already. I have, yeah. The Woodley thing is bad, but Francis Engano... I don't mind seeing him getting cans crushed at the moment because he's still very raw, very, very raw. You know, and I wouldn't mind. I said Derek Lewis, but I wouldn't mind him crushing maybe two more cans before he moves to Derek Lewis uh, level. But I think he could beat Derek Lewis now because that's a good matchup for um, him. Brian McLaughlin wants to know: Do you know why the UFC put generic walkout songs on Fight Pass? Is it for rights so they don't have to pay? Yeah, again? they don't have to pay. They don't have to pay the money. Yeah. That's what you want. Simple as simple as that. Uh, yeah. John Harker wants to know: Are the wheels falling off the Jackson Winklejohn hype train? Many losses and Jones problems proving that their model isn't working. I don't think you can say that no. after what they've done up until this point. You know, John Jones's problems aren't Greg Jackson's or Mike. Like Greg Jackson isn't doing the lines up for him. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Mike Winklejohn <laughs> isn't doing him fifty bags on tick. You know, there's absolutely not like those. MMA is a volatile sport as well. Like, if you have winners, you're not going to have winners for long. You know, they're going to quickly become losers. Like, look, look at AKA. Like, just look at that gym. Like, Luke Rockhold, he was, you know, he won the championship. Now he lost it. Uh, Daniel Cormier was like, you could see the jealousy coming out of him when he saw Cain Velasquez with his belt. Now Daniel Cormier has a belt and Cain Velasquez has no belt. Like, Khabib did start to be a champion. Still no belt, you know. They used to have, you know, cost checking Fitch, you know, but getting up towards the belt never won it. You know, these these things happen. You know, MMA is very volatile. You know, you're you're gonna have success, but it's it's unless you're Anderson Silva or George Saint Pierre, you know, someone like that. Even John Jones doesn't get it. Like it's rare to have long term success in MMA. I enjoy getting non mixed martial arts questions from our American listeners, Sean. We so got one from Martin during the week. Not MMA related at all. Is it still a very big deal all over Ireland Ireland, to identify as non-religious? I don't think so anymore. No. Not really. No. I think it's a big deal say. to identify as religious. Yeah. yeah, if you say it to your granny, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think most people... There's no one going to mass. Or just there's no one going to mass. You can that. watch it on RTE, sure. You don't have to go. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know. It depends, I suppose, who you are, where you are, and who you're talking to. But I think with the young young people, especially, I don't think people care anymore. Like, and it's I think it's odder now to be religious than to not be religious. To be honest, there you go. We have a three parter here from Sam. If the UFC paid fighters more accordingly, do you think it would hurt the company because fighters wouldn't need to fight as much? therefore creating a boxing-type environment in MMA and a lot less fights being made because the guys don't need to fight. 
leading to less cards and making it harder to get the big fights made like in boxing. First of all, Sam, congratulations on abs- congratulations on no commas or full stops there, but um, I like the question. So, Sean, what do you think? Um, I think no matter how much money you're getting... We wouldn't have Ross people- Pearson fighting Ho- George Masvidal otherwise. I think we still would probably. I think people still fight no matter how much money they're getting. And even if you do in- increase it, you know, Jorge Masvidal and Ross Pearson are not going to be earning a million dollars a fight. Let's let's put it that way, you know. If they increase their money, maybe they're earning 100,000 to fight. Like, And they're still going to need to, you know, they're still going to want to and need to fight and earn more money, you know. This career is going to be short no matter how long. Like, if you're 10 years in the UFC, you're doing unbelievably well. Like, so I think you need to gather that money and no matter how much you're fighting, you need, if you want to be wealthy, you're going to have to keep, you know, keep getting those big fights pretty, you know, pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Like in boxing, you know, may, okay. Mayweather, maybe near the end of his career, didn't do it as much. Although near the end of his career, he actually did it a little bit faster, but in the middle part of his career, he took long breaks and took years off and stuff. But you see, like the Canelo and Pacquiao, they, you know, they fight two or three times a year, you know, they get their, their big cards and that's great. You're always going to have the bigger, the bigger fighters who maybe save themselves for a bigger time of the year, but you're never going to have a mass amount of people who are earning so much money that they only need to fight once or twice a year. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Pena or Shevchenko, who gets the night next time? Title shot from Aaron Craig. Rousey. Oh. No, nah, I don't think Rousey will ever come back. I think Penny Alley. You think she's done? Uh, yeah, I've said that from the very start. I've kind of got back and forth, but I said from the start, I think Rousey will never fight again. I, I don't think she will. And I hope she does, but I don't maybe think Maybe a dream match up here from the Irish Cairn. Will we ever see Joanna Jinjacek versus Valentina Shevchenko at 125? And if so, who wins? They already fought in kickboxing, I believe, and. Uh, Shishinko won or some sort of karate or some stuff type karate. Or, um karate. I think uh I think I think Shishinko's a little bit too big for her now at this stage, too strong. Maybe. Can I just ask you something here? Because I was I was looking through the next question. Gary Doyle had one and we've kind of spoke about the first part of it, so I wasn't gonna say it, but second question on the same topic. Cyborg has said she won't fight Nunez. Did you see that? Did she? No, but I wouldn't be surprised. They're probably friends, or because Cyborg put up a big post on Facebook the other day, effectively calling out Ronda Rousey for New York City, saying how much of a horrible person she was, and she's a bully, and this and that. And I think it won mm-hmm. a lot of people over. Would Cyborg now consider <coughs> cutting to? Can she make one thirty-five, Sean? Do you think she could for the UFC, no. or is she just going to be the catchweight girl for the fights? I don't think she can make 135. I don't think she should be forced to make 135. I just think fight at 145. Herrig making and, and 115 is disgusting. Did you see those you videos so that were posted? Oh, there's pictures no. posted of her oh, before Wayne. It's bad. Here, did you see what I'm at? Just after seeing on what? Twitter, Will Brooks called out Edson Barbosa. He must be listening to the, live, the private live stream, the subscription live stream that we send out of this yeah, podcast. That's a good idea, actually. Fuck it. We, you pay us 100, 100 euros and you can come on Skype with us and listen to the podcast as, as it's been recorded. <laughs> we can fact. record I'm a, yeah, a private serious. podcast. <laughs> That's it. Like SevereMMAPod at gmail.com is our PayPal address as well. So get your orders in there ASAP or just any donations required. Like Sean needs a place to yeah. stay for Bama. So uh, we'll. T- I fucking yeah. Actually, if if you know a way of getting me anyone listening to this podcast, fucking a free room in the Gibson Hotel, tell me because I have 
pretty. I have an order, but I can cancel. It's fucking two hundred and three euro for what? my seven Patrick's Day in a room night. Two hundred and three euro for one night. It's fucking scandalous. Come on, someone out there can surely know a way to get me a free or an at least cheaper room in the Gibson Hotel. It would be remiss of me to go an hour and a half into the podcast without taking a dig at Bama, but at those prices, I can see why the fighters don't stay in the Gibson Hotel either. <laughs> Are they not? No? no, they never do. They're all, um, one time they're on the motorway. They're in Meath. I don't know where they were the last time. Really? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. It was hilarious. Okay, anyway, well, that's well. that's my own. Like, I'm. I actually hate that Jude Samuel has single-handedly made me change my opinion on Bama. Uh, yeah, Bama are good now. I like yeah, Bama. Like Bama. Mr. Podge also wanted to know if Sonnen does make a comeback, should he just go straight for the USADA labs and save us all some time? Did you see that he has been re entered into the USADA testing yeah. pool and he said yeah. it's just for himself? He doesn't even think that he'd be able to pass the tests. He's coming yeah. back. Madison yeah, Square. He's actually, he's actually on the MMA or now soon, so maybe we'll really wrap this up and we'll be able to hear David Moore and see what he says. Yeah, he he'll probably announce it this now. Fuck it. Yeah. So, so in oh, case you didn't hear that word, it. yeah, Chael Sonnen's <laughs> back. Who would you want Chael to fight? There you go. Here's a question from Sean G. And who would you want Chael to fight if he comes back? Middleweight. Mm, is he? Can he make middleweight? I don't know if he <laughs> can a, anymore. Yeah. It could be two o five. I would like to see him fight Anderson Silva in a trilogy fight. In Portland. They brought a car to Portland. Yeah. There is one. Anderson Silva in in Portland. Oh my God, it has to be. Like three months. There we go. Sean's just broken this news before it's even been broken. But the people won't hear till tomorrow. It's it's, it's half six right now, just for anyone that's wondering when this podcast was recorded. Yeah. I reckon Tim Kennedy against Shell Sandlin is going to happen. Uh, well, in, in it's Port. happening in the Submission Underground as it well. It is, yeah. So we'll see. Sure, we know about that months ago. Oh, sure, look, sure did we, we didn't need to sure. break that. We have an inside oh. line. <laughs> well, anyway, we, <laughs> we've time, well, we have almost. a couple more. To, one yeah, or two more Howie Feltersnatch came up with a good, uh, good suggestion here. Do you think that if the UFC are serious about anti-doping, they should hold all purses until tests are back? Also, a fail equals 100% purse and any money's paid within the period period that the fighter signed. They do hold your purse back. They hold your win bonus back, I'm pretty sure. Well, maybe they don't hold your your normal purse back, but they hold your per- win bonus and they hold your, um, your um, bonus checks back, I believe. Keith Kavanagh who I had the pleasure of training with last night with his friend from Amsterdam, uh, Gustavo, who runs 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Amsterdam. He said Celtic Gladiator had good ideas, but the location and a few details were just completely off. Sean, you personally, you're answering this. What rule or format (laughs) would make a jiu-jitsu show work in Ireland? Because now you're seeing a lot of pro ADCC rules fights making their way onto, onto MMA cards. Uh, personally, as someone watching, I like the the chill son and Eddie Bravo rules, but it, I think whichever the competitors like the most. So you're probably better answering it because there's, I don't think there's going to be people coming to watch jujitsu no, apart from they're people. Just, they're just going to be there to watch the jujitsu because of uh, because they're waiting for the MMA fights. So what do you think? Um, I think the best way to do anything is to rent a venue, a cool like a derelict fucking building in Dublin with graffiti around it get mats into it 
invite 12 of the best blue or purple belts in Ireland to compete against each other and record it and sell the stream or just record it and offer prize money and get sponsors Th- what, uh, what belt is Keith Kavanaugh Keith is a blue belt fuck's sake <laughs> one of these people need to get a purple Sean belt Sheen's so they can promote for me a purple belt. I need a purple belt to promote me come <laughs> on guys Oh, you can't even suggest that because Frogmore said with chill suspension up and the UFC announcing an event in Portland, who do you see him fighting? Um, okay, <laughs> last couple of ones before we go, Sean. Kieran Stapleton said Holmes' loss shows how far ahead Ronda was of the game, or does it show? And does it also show a similar development of the game like the men have over the years? Yeah, we've spoken about this loads of times. I think there's the women, the women's MMA is still developing, and. Like I think at the time we talked about how the home was a little bit ahead of Rousey in her development. In hindsight, I don't think she maybe was. Uh, I think she maybe she was just a one dimension, or not a one dimension, but a, a different dimension to Rousey. And her dimension was better than Rousey's dimension because of the Soils matchup. Now, when you look at Amanda Nunes, I think Amanda Nunes is that next fighter. I think she is that next level who's good in every dimension. But someone as we've seen with MMA coming up through the years, someone with a very good single dimension, like a very good wrestler could beat her, like Juliana Pena maybe, I could see that happening, or a very good striker could beat her on the feet, like home maybe. So yeah, uh, I think there's still a lot of progression, but I think it's getting better. Like People like Pena and uh, and um, T- uh, Nunes are the new level of uh, women's MMA fighters. David Nuddy, with a, actually a question that, We've spoke about before. We're halfway there, Sean. It looks like mm-hmm. Bisping versus Henderson as broken by Niall McGrath and Pizzi over on Talking Brawls during the week. Dan Henderson is pretty much saying he's fighting Michael Bisping in Manchester at UFC 204 and he's going to retire win or lose. So his question was, do you think that Bisping is potentially retiring also and that is why Hendo is getting the shot? No, I think Bisping will fight on. I think he should fucking retire yeah. if he beats Henderson. I, I don't think he will. I don't even think Henderson will retire. <laughs> to be honest, he says I, he will. I imagine if Henderson lied to Dana White, like, no, I'm done, Dana, yeah. honestly. Like, I am done. <laughs> I'd be very surprised if Henderson didn't fight again, to be honest. He's that sort of guy, isn't he? Like, Henderson will be fighting when he's 60 in Bellator, like, let's or be Japan. honest. Or Japan. Japan, like, yeah. Finally, Sean, or two quick ones, sorry. UFC or Yahoo, who would you rather buy from AJK Dublin? I'd rather buy uh, the UFC. Yahoo would be no crack. Yeah. Who goes on Yahoo? Nobody. Absolutely nobody. Fun fact, Yahoo had an instant messenger service years ago. And I used to always play online pool on a website called pogo.com. And I had to down, like the way that they used to talk to each other was through Yahoo Messenger. So I had AIM, MSN and Yahoo on my computer for different fucking websites and video game people that just only use certain browsers to talk to each other. I had MSN. Is that like the instant messaging one? Which one is that? I had that for about a week once and that's the only one I've ever had and never had another one. Yeah. Well, there you go. Final question from Stan Kavanagh. Would you like to see all the UFC fighters juiced to the gills just to see what it would be like? At least we'd have a level playing field. No. No. What if they were only allowed to grapple? Part of me does. Like, part of me does, but no. If they were allowed to grapple. Well, then you'd just watch the ADCCs. <laughs> you just have jiu-jitsu, yeah. Basically clean. Yeah. So you're against super hu- you're you're not Joe Rogan in terms of looking for superhuman athletes. <sighs> no. 
I don't know. There's part of me would like part of me does. Part of me says, "Fuck it, get rid of all this shit and just have everyone in a living playing field." But uh, no, I don't know. Sport. Now remember that word, sport, and what it actually means. Or else, Sean Sheen will mm. be on to you. Eight minutes over oh, yeah. the allotted time, Sean. But I think that's very good going considering our past records. Yeah, indeed. I think I think we were fucking. I think this podcast was good week's podcast. Now this was enjoyable. Talked a lot of good shit. Tell your tell a friend. Tell your friends. Tell a friend. Give it share a, it on reading. Facebook. We really appreciate the support. The podcast is we um from as we always say every couple of weeks from the bottom of our cold grey bitter dead hearts. We did not think that when we started this, however many uh seventy eight obviously episodes ago, that uh mm-hmm. it would get to this stage. So thank you very much for that as always. Any other crack, Sean? What are you at today? Fuck all now. Trying to pizza, I think. Uh, actually, here you go. I, an Iceland shop, do you know the, the shop yes, Iceland? Yes, that's where mum's going to. Oh, but we Patrick went there like last week, and he got like loads of stuff, and I was like, Jesus, get me if next time you're going there, get me some stuff. So he arrived there yesterday with a shitload of stuff, and he got this pizza right with a hot dog in the crust. I've seen them. Oh Have you ever God, seen the pizzas mo- with cheeseburgers in the crust? Oh, yeah, really? So it's like a circular bit of the crust, and it has a burger and cheese on it. Oh my god! I no, see, I don't know. Like, I'm. I try it. Like, I, I'm not too sure about that. Like, I would eat disgusting now. things once. Like, have you ever seen the cheeseburgers with donuts as the bread? In America, no, it's glazed sounds... donuts in place of a burger bap, and it's the cheeseburger. You know, like, I'd love to try. Do you know, in America, they have burgers with burgers as buns. So it's just four yeah. slices of meat, like. Just all meat, yeah. I tried that. That'd Th- be nice. That's the, and it's usually done with chicken. The paleo option, I believe. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> no bread. <laughs> what are you having today? I'm having paleo, yeah. What are you, what are you having? I'm fucking six steaks. Six burgers <laughs> on top of each other. What, cavemen eat this? It's legit. God. Fuck that, no. I am... Um, I am actually mad for some sort of food like that at the minute because I'm not going to be in Dublin tomorrow either. I just love a big TGI Fridays. Wait, sorry, go back two steps here before we finish this off. Has the Iceland yeah. only opened in Limerick? No, it's not in Limerick. It's in Tralee. Has it only it's opened like, in Tralee though? Yeah, which is hilarious. Like, so they're probably get, they're getting VHSs now in two years' time in Tralee, are they? I think there's only like two or three Icelands in all the whole country in the south. No, yeah. yeah, no, because I think it's popular in up. It's popular in the UK. It's popular yeah. up north, um, and they're everywhere in the UK. Like they're just, they are like you always see. Them. I never knew. I never knew Iceland was all frozen stuff. Okay, well, Is obviously that, I knew fuck year, all either because I did not know Iceland was all frozen well, stuff either. They have drinks and stuff as well, but not much. Like it's all, you know. There's no. You couldn't go in and buy fucking. Salt in Iceland, I don't well, think. That's you know. the name, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. I never realised. I thought it was just like, oh, they're naming it after the country or something. Like, I didn't realise it's actually like an Iceland, like a pound shop is where you buy everything for a pound. I did not I know that. People are going to call us fucking idiots now, aren't we? We, should we never definitely should have known that. So, if you yeah, want to know a little right. bit more about it, Sean, it was founded in 1969. <laughs> right? <laughs> and yeah. obviously the peak was when they had fucking Kerry Katona. Kerry yeah, so... I'm Gary Gatona as well. Oh, in November 2008, Iceland re-entered the Irish market. Mm-hmm. It opened a store in Ballyfermot in Dublin. Ballyfermot. Ballyfermot. Then a second store in Finglas. 
and a third in the Navin Road, a fourth in the Ilac Centre. There are now 10 Iceland stores located in Ireland. Oh, there you go. I was close enough when I said three. Uh, I wonder if there... No, I don't even know if there's any up north. Either way, their net income is down, Sean, 160 million, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> It'll be up now that I'm and shopping they there. have... Okay. T- oh, do you know what they have as well? Just before you get into that, it's fucking one, 1. 1.5 litre bottles of Dr. fucking Pepper. Oh. Legends. I bought a one point. I else. bought a one point five liter bottle of Lilt today in Tesco for a euro. Actually, do you know what? two liter bottles of Coke don't exist anymore? What? Because there's some like new rules. Yeah, they're like all one point seven five liter bottles now, and they look the same and all. You hardly even notice but when you look at them. They're one point seven. Like there's new like uh, sugar rules or some shit. Probably fair enough. So t- yeah, but they've gotten around it, and the country are probably paying the same amount for like less stuff. There you go. Bastards. Well, this kind of... To finish the podcast, Sean, we're going with something a little bit different here, okay? One, two, yeah. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're counting, we're going. Eleven different countries have an Iceland store in them. Okay? Yeah. Iceland is one, is it? Iceland is one, conveniently enough. <laughs> there's three in Iceland. So the UK, there's 850. Ireland, there's mm-hmm. ten. Okay, so you've got nine questions left, nine places left. Oh, I yeah. guess, do I? So, UK, Ireland, Iceland. Yeah. France. No. Germany. No. Okay, okay go whenever you guess uh, one wrong, I'll tell you where the one is. Okay, I'm going to get Sweden. Wrong. Spain, 14 stores. <gasps> Portugal. Yes, one. Uh, Italy. Wrong. Malta with one. Greece. Wrong. Jersey with six. Jersey, what the fuck? Not even a country. The Scotland, uh, Scotland and Wales are in the UK, yeah. so they don't. Uh, uh, Norway. Wrong. Isle of Man, one store. Oh, <laughs> Fun fact, it's the only store on the Isle of Man. <laughs> Guernsey, uh, the Czech Republic as well were the other two. So really, yeah, Jersey, them. Guernsey and the Isle of Man are just, they should be like... Well, that actually, no, country. I'm not going to say they should be included in the UK. Otherwise, we'll get into, eh, you lose oh, your shit when Ireland's part of the UK. You're fucked. You're dressed as a parliamentary. <laughs> <laughs> That's political. Out there bringing politics into sport. No, we will not because sport is fair and good. And if you thought this podcast yeah. was good, which the majority of you probably did not, send Sean Sheehan a tweet at Sean Sheehan BA over on Twitter. I'm at, at Andrew McGahan underscore. We're at Severe MMA Pod, both of us sporadically throughout the week. By sporadically, I mean I will go on it sometimes. Sean will reply to everybody else. And also, you can send the tweet to at Severe MMA over on Twitter. Sean. How's things? It's time to go now. We've had a discussion about Iceland. Bit of dinner to yeah. put on now before training. Bit of editing to do before training. The usual stuff. Have to charge the old phone. But um, I believe you were practicing some rap over the weekend for us. You were watching some uh, Biggie Smalls in the man cave. I was, yeah. Don't act like you've never seen a white person before. Jaws dropped to the floor. That's not... Uh, See you next week. That okay, so sorry about that. That's not Biggie Smalls, but I am going to allow. No, it's not. I am going to no. allow an appropriate amount of silence for you to get the outro in there. Well, you want me to? Oh no! Smalls? I just wanted to say, oh, see no. you next Tuesday. But you're gonna have to fucking rap okay. now, Andrew. If you don't know, now you know. You know. I'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>